you got to give the party credit because they are smart and they are wisely installing communism around the country without having a vote on it, without having a referendum or discussion. They do it in a very clever way. It's the China model. It's, it's Chinese communism, which is corporate communism. And to prove the point, uh, believe it or not, we're going to compare some things that would seem completely unconnected. Well, like, like people who cheat on fares out of train, the rest of you fund in the separate country of Seattle. I basically, I don't know about you, but I see fare evaders in three categories. First, people who can't afford to pay. Second, people who make an honest mistake and forget to swipe. And third, forgive my French, but cheating assholes. And yet another network dedicated to confusing kids about their sexuality and their gender and parents be dang. Welcome to the Pink Palace, my lovely friend. It's a little boy. I first discovered drag at 13. I will tell you the network and how these things are connected. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And the party's clever, and scheming people can be clever, and we should at least give them credits for being scheming and clever all at the same time. I'll, I'll prove the point that these things really are connected. It's, it's, I think it is good for me, at least it works for me to understand how the pieces work together. And I hope that's helpful for you because that's kind of what we're going to do today as we examine the installation of communism and through a backdoor route. Opposite of communism, I guess is no communism. <laughs> the, the other opposite of it is actual honest commerce. My wife did, she and I just recorded, we're going to play this later in the week. We had a discussion about her views on the, on the government schools. And it's, it's, you know, she's a teacher still. She uh, tutors privately, um, but was a teacher in her career. And she has a distinct point of view on the government schools that not a lot of people hold. So we're going to talk about that. She's also going to give us an update on her work with Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. She said that she got to a point where, okay, I need to shift gears a little bit. And who is there to help? Soda, sodaweightloss.com. So the party is installing communism, the China model. And the China model of communism is, in fact, corporate communism. So what does that mean? Well, it's effectively fascism. Um, but it is far more, I think, it's, it's far more clever, frankly, than I think fascism was. And that pure fascism was done with a fist. And it was always done with a fist. It was always done with a baseball bat and a, and a threat to your face and, and people being shot. And, and China has gotten to that point of being able to commit that level of violence against their people. And they, they, they've gotten there over time. And of course, there was the revolution and Mao, and we know that history. But the model that they have now is so built upon the inevitability of the state 
and the inevitability of state power and the winding down of people, the, the grinding down of people, grinding them to the point where they come to believe that there is absolutely no point in fighting the state because the state always wins and, and the state cannot lose. And that's a different phenomena, in my judgment, than the good old-fashioned communism, which was, of course, done at the point of a gun and at the point of a baseball bat, just like fascism was done that way. Now, China has evolved to this point to be able to take this stance with the people that it rules over. And they're attempting to install the China model here where companies and government are one and companies and government as one have one and one only goal at the end, which is to continue to grow their power and their wealth and their control over people. But the way they're installing it is so very clever. And it's hidden in places that you wouldn't think to look like choo-choo trains and like drag queens. And it's global. It truly is global. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Right. It's always hidden in what's good. That was Trudeau. Our values, our rights, as he turned China, as he turned, well, I just supposed to China, Canada into a prison state. You remember that in seizing people's bank accounts and then they quickly figured out you're going to cause a run in the banks. We need to do this slowly, Justin. I'm sure the World Economic Forum got with him and said, slowly, Justin, slowly. Do not dive out and start seizing bank accounts yet. That's to come later. We got to get everybody in a passport system. Then we seize the bank accounts. Don't you dare let people see what's coming. So how does it enter into choo-choo trains? I understand that this podcast is has a national footprint and I will never, ever forget why. It was because of the work that I got to do on Rush Limbaugh's program. God rest Rush and thank you as always, EIB. So from around the country, people listen to the podcast. Thank you for making that part of your life. I'm unbelievably touched by that. So I want you to know Nebraska, Texas, Michigan, Florida, you guys are paying for what we're about to talk about. And it's a symptom, and it's not a show about Seattle. It's a symptom. There is a huge, perverse, extraordinary orgy of spending and corruption in the separate country of Seattle that they call Sound Transit. It's supposedly a transit system. It's pitched as helping the least of these get to where they need to go. It's almost pitched biblically to help the least of these, except it steals neighborhoods from the least of these. When it runs over people, and it does, it always happens in a neighborhood where the train is not elevated because why should they? It's just a bunch of poor people. That's the very small concerns with this train. There's also the fact that it's a decade or so, maybe 15 years behind schedule and billions and billions, tens and tens of billions of dollars behind on budget. And you are forced to put money into it. 
So how does this equate to the China model? Well, it's this. The train is many things, none of it to do with moving people. It moves less than 1% of commuters. One day it might move less than 3%. But it's an eminent domain machine. It snakes through the city and rich, mobbed up party developers are told in secret where the train is going to go. They purchase land where the train is going to go. They purchase it when it's attacked by sound transit for eminent domain. They scoop in and they get it for dimes on the dollar. Or they go do a deal up front. They know the train is coming, but they don't tell the people who don't get to know. On the eminent domain front, once they seize a property, they take it away from the owner. And oftentimes, the new owner will just build back what was there. Literally. Sound Transit comes along and says, we're going to steal this property with eminent domain where you have a hotel. Sound Transit tears down that hotel. They build their train. The new owner comes and builds a new hotel. Same business it was there before. But this time, there's a choo-choo train out front. Small business is screwed. Big business thrives. The government unions responsible for sound transit pay themselves twice what the average state worker in Washington state gets to work or to not work as the case is all too often at the top. And sound transit rolls on. Now, the communist part of that, the China model of that, that's the eminent domain. That's the taking by force. But of course, sound transit is also a social justice machine. And again, Nebraska, again, Pennsylvania, again, my friends in Idaho and California who listen to the program, you are paying for it. It is well known in the separate country of Seattle that sound transit has never been serious about charging people any money to, to, to get on the choo-choo train. They go downtown, and if you wear a suit or nice clothes, they'll come after you for not paying. But you don't even have to pay to get on the train. There's no turnstiles. It was designed this way. They say it's to make it quicker to get on the train. It's not. It's so that they can have selective fare enforcement. For decades, they've not enforced the fares in neighborhoods they decide are too poor to put up with fares. So the fare enforcement officers get off at a certain neighborhood. And then they get back on and they ride downtown. It's selective enforcement. There's one politician who seems to take umbrage with this. He's a leftist, but it, it sounds like he's getting fed up. But he says the funniest thing. He says he's in favor of the rule of law. This is a guy named Dave Up the Grove. He's a radical leftist, but maybe he's tired of seeing people puking on the train or, or defecating on the train or shooting up heroin on the train or raping women on the train. And all those things happen with some regularity on the train or the train running over black and brown people, which happens with some regularity. But charging people to ride the train? Listen to his little explanations here. You know, obviously we need to hold people accountable for fare evasion, but we need to do it in a way that makes it easier, not harder for people to get back on the right track. 
and involving the courts and collection agencies does little more than contribute to what I call a downward spiral of poverty, often disproportionately impacting communities of color. So I, I really do prefer and support in-house accountability systems and supported Councilmember McDermott's amendments. So, and I generally appreciate the direction of this new approach, smart, reasonable, compassionate accountability. So what they're doing is some people pay, some people don't. But this guy can then speak that he somehow believes in the rule of what? So he categorizes people in his mind. This is how he lays out people who don't have to pay to get on the train, but some people should pay, but others should not. Listen to the characterization. I basically, I don't know about you, but I see fare evaders in three categories. First, people who can't afford to pay. Second, people who make an honest mistake and forget to swipe. And third, forgive my French, but cheating assholes. Okay, let's talk about that part. This scam of a so-called transit agency is funded by illegal taxes. It's the China model. They wanted to charge people for car tabs. They want to charge people who drive cars for a train, which is really just an eminent domain machine for big donors. A guy named Tim Iman in Washington state passed an initiative from the people and it passed strong to take, to, to bring our, our tabs. That is the stickers in our license plates around the country. There's different names for them. We call them tabs. Other people call them tags for 30 bucks. It passed. Sound Transit sued. The so-called Supreme Court decided for Sound Transit that they get to keep charging an illegal fee. Why? Because the Supreme Court pretended that people didn't know what $30 car tabs meant. They pretended it was too confusing. So to this day, people in the separate country of Washington state inside a purposely gerrymandered district, a transit district, pay illegal taxes. And this guy says, we're the cheaters. I will never pay to ride a sound transit train. I will never ride one. If I have to, I will never pay because they're thieves. Yes, Romans 13, we must obey the authorities. The authority in Washington state is the law. They broke the law. The Supreme Court broke the law. So he characterizes us as cheating blank holes, right? Understand this. That behavior is coming to your town. If you hear light rail, it's coming. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, it's coming. They want to bring this trash into your state, this eminent domain abuse. They want to create transit districts. These are governments. So in the case of this monstrosity called Sound Transit, they tried to form this, this transit taxing district one time and it got voted down. They changed the districts. They changed the boundaries. Another time they got voted down. They changed the boundaries. They did that seven times. On the seventh time, they figured out what we need to do is make sure Seattle has the vote. That Eminent domain social justice machine, which is a payoff for big labor, is Seattle taxing the outlying areas. I'm here to tell people in Coeur Idaho 
they intend to put Coeur d'Alene in a transit district with the separate country of Washington. Your tax dollars will be used by the separate country of Washington. I'm here to tell people in Boise, you let that choo-choo train expand outside of your area, you're going to expand these ideas. I'm here to tell people in any town that will listen, look what they did in Salt Lake City. See, this is the China model. It's about mobbed up companies using a device like this to get the power to tax you forever. Did I say forever? I did. Because in the case of this monstrosity called Sound Transit, with the last time they created a transit tax, you know what's not included? A sunset date. They never have to stop taxing. Guess what else isn't included? Any projects. I mean it. They never have to build a thing. But they can keep taxing forever. So Dave Up the Grove says he's in favor of what? But those cheating assholes who refuse to identify themselves are let completely off the hook. And if this was an infrequent occurrence, I wouldn't worry about it. But we were just told that 76% of fair interactions, the writer refuses to properly identify themselves. And it'd be easy to not care and just say, oh, that's all right. But I do care because of the significant lost revenue means higher costs and less service for everyone else. But I also care because I support the rule of law. He supports the rule of law of an agency that collects illegal taxes, of an agency that lets drug users shoot up on their trains, of an agency that lets rapes occur on their trains, of an agency that uses eminent domain to steal a family's parking lot to build their own parking lot to give it to another private company. Steal from one company, dimes on the dollar, sell to another who then instantly sees their lands stolen, now theirs, appreciate a thousand percent because it's one of the few parking lots on the train line. And he believes in the rule of law. It seems to me that he believes in being able to ride the train without seeing junkies puking on his shoes. I think that's what his concern is. I get that. I don't like junkies puking on my shoes either. This is the China model. They hide it everywhere. So if you hear light rail coming to your community, vote it down. It's junk. It's never about moving people. The transit ridership, in fact, around the country is sinking. Even as they pour more and more obscene monies into it, it's shrinking. If you hear light rail, vote it down wherever you are. This next thing in the way that they're installing communism has to do with the approach of compassion. They always want to hide this stuff in compassion. I'm going to give you a phrase. You're going to hear it time and again. It's the China model. It's the phrase housing is a right and affordable housing is necessary. Nothing the government mandates ever creates affordability. Now, in terms of housing affordability, what if the home in which you live where you pay a mortgage, what if that mortgage 
dropped by a thousand dollars a month. This is happening. It will not. Well, I can't say that. I'm not, I'm not, who knows? It may not continue. It probably can't with inflation doing what's inflation is doing and the party doing what the party is doing to our economy. But there's a way for you to move very quickly and very wisely to take advantage of the economy the way it is now. It's so easy. It's just to get in touch with our partners at American Financing at AmericanFinancing.net. They will give you a free mortgage review. Okay. It's a free one. You call them, you give them your situation. You can, in fact, apply for this online at AmericanFinancing.net. They're going to look at your current mortgage. They're going to talk to you. Now, they're yeah, credit report, okay, fine. But you know what else they do? They talk to you. See, this is a family-owned national mortgage bank. It's not one of the banksters. This is a married couple who has risen to this level after 20 years of hard work. They don't have any salespeople on their team. They have mortgage consultants. Here's what I mean. None of them get a commission. So the person you talk to who reviews your situation, that person's going to get paid the same amount of money, whether you do the refinance or not. They have no incentive to steer you wrong. None. So you get the free mortgage review. They're going to tell you, hey, here's how much we can save you or not. Now, if you decide to move forward, then it makes sense. And it's going to save you a thousand bucks a month or 500 bucks a month. You know what the savings is. You know whether it makes sense for you to move forward. American financing is open nights and weekends. And get this, you might be thinking in the back of your head, yeah, Todd, that's great, but I've got this thing in my credit report. We had a medical problem and it just cost us all this money or we had some identity theft. Guys, they do special financing for people. They're going to listen to you. You're not a piece of paper to them. They're a family-owned mortgage bank. It's human beings talking to human beings. Call and get your free mortgage review. No-brainer. 866-887-2275. That's 866-887-2275. Or visit them at AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182-334. NMLSConsumerAccess.org. San Francisco, California. I'll never forget the first time I came upon a guy shooting up in a doorway. I had decided to walk to a meeting across town and I was at uh, 101 Montgomery Street, which is downtown San Francisco by that. You'll see on TV that building that looks like a pyramid. And I walked from there. Oh, no, 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 no. I had lunch at a place. Um, oh, what was that place called? I don't, you, you don't care. It was up by Nordstrom. It's, it's up there. And I had lunch and I decided to walk to this next meeting. And I ended up walking through a place called the Tenderloin. Now, this was the first time I'd lived outside of Seattle. And in fact, the first time I'd worked in a city proper. In Seattle, I worked sort of outside the city on Capitol Hill. And I'm walking up through the tenderloin, I realized, wow, there's a lot of poor people here. There's a lot of urine on the streets. And okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not situationally unaware. I'm taking care of myself. And I walk by this, this, this in this doorway, and my, my meeting is upstairs. And there's a guy with his arm bared, and he's got a needle stuck into it. And I just, and, and, and I was blown away. Now, obviously, I knew people took heroin. Uh, but I'd never been confronted with that way. And I was, I was chilled. Like, I'm hoping the guy's not going to die in front of me. That was 
20. No, it wasn't. Wow, it was 29 years ago. 29 years ago. Now, you fast forward. There's an article in the San Francisco Chronicle. Here's the headline. San Francisco spends millions of dollars to shelter its most vulnerable residents in dilapidated hotels. With little oversight or support, the results are disastrous. No, they're not. You're looking at it from the wrong point of view. The people who want those properties at dimes on the dollar are going to get those properties at dimes on the dollar. Those are human wrecking crews. The organizations who have parked those people in those hotels are getting rich. There are scam organizations that operate in the homeless industrial complex. A friend of mine at Safe Seattle and Facebook created that phrase. His name is David Preston. And he's exactly right. If you hear the phrase affordable housing a lot in your city, run from it. Affordable housing, yes. Of course, we want people to be able to live in a home. Market dynamics create that. Government can't. A government can create a whole flood of homes and flood your area with new people and destroy the nature of your community. They can do that. But they do not create affordable housing. Or you'll hear this housing is a right. In this article in the San Francisco Chronicle, it's truly, truly horrific. You go room to room and door to door and you see people that die from overdoses in these hotels. You see families that live in these hotels. You see sex trafficking. You see people sleeping in utter filth. Like it's not ever been a building. It's always been this blown out bomb shelter, this dystopian stink that it is. But the groups that are getting rich on this are the ones who get paid money to store people there. Truly, I will tell you because the math works this way. In the separate country of Seattle, it would be cheaper to buy everybody a condo. The math is this. For all the people they store in these units, you would actually save money if you went a little bit outside the city and bought them their own condominium. And by the way, some of the math works that you could also buy them a car or pay for an Uber for them every day of the week to take them wherever they want to go. And I'm sure the economics in San Francisco work the same way. So you have groups like in Seattle, it's called the, the, um, the Low Income Housing Institute which is run by the family of a mobbed up Democrat. He really runs it and everybody knows this. You don't need to care, but his guy's name is Frank Chop. There's Frank Chops all around the country. If you see Democrat politicians, because it's largely Democrat politicians and one part of their family is running anything to do with homelessness or housing, follow the bouncing $100 bills because it will lead right back to their doorstep. That's what's happened with the Low Income Housing Institute that is amassed, and I forget the exact number, but I think around $10 million in real estate assets. Assets, land they own in downtown Seattle as they store people in shacks and shelters. And of course, Seattle followed this model. The same model that the San Francisco Chronicle points out is utter ruin. What do you think of when you think of communist countries and housing?
What do you picture? You picture Soviet block housing, right? When you picture Cuba, if it's not in one of the Castro's estates, what do you picture? Romania, China, dystopian gray ruin, except for the party. They live in splendor. Blocks from one of the hotels they have in this story, blocks. You can walk in 10 minutes to streets filled with 15 and $20 million homes from people who vote for this because they're conned. The problem is we don't have enough housing. They're conned. The problem is they don't have a place to stay. They're conned. When Seattle followed this path that they're going to go seize hotels, what did they use? The COVID flu. King County, the corrupt organization county in which Seattle sits, a corrupt man named Dow Constantine, who calls himself the King County executive and is in fact a thuggish con artist, seized a hotel in Kent, Washington, south of Seattle, because they were going to store COVID patients there because don't you know it was very dangerous to have the COVID patients or the COVID positive homeless people walking around. Guess what they didn't do? They didn't keep them in the hotel. Within days, people were walking across the street, going and stealing things from convenience stores. How do I know? Because I had a guy who owned the convenience store call my program. This quarantine center across the street, the people are walking into my convenience store and stealing from me and they're COVID positive. They did this with hotel after hotel after hotel. Had nothing to do with the COVID, never did. It has to do with destroying downtown cores, crumbling cities, and blaming capitalism. And what they're saying is we need more hotels. What are the people in San Francisco who run this monstrosity saying, we just don't have enough of these? We don't have enough funding. We don't have enough funding to keep the buildings nice. We don't have enough funding to police them. Mind you, they didn't make people stop drinking or drugging to come in. They never do because the point is to have the ruin and it's a win-win because we go right back to the China model, which is the eminent domain. Right after these homeless people destroy these buildings to the point of them being condemned, the party will pick other buildings to store people and developers will swoop in and they will buy products or they will buy buildings made toxic with the residue of meth and fentanyl and they will be lauded as heroes they're going to come along and clean up the community if you hear housing is a right in your neighborhood or your city if you hear anyone from government say they will create affordable housing run vote and then this. Certainly, Jesus would want this, right, Todd? Certainly. I mean, you call and I get this all the time. Oh yeah, you call yourself a Christian, but you don't, you don't, you don't like people having these hotels to sleep in. Yeah, you're not a Christian. You're a liar. Jesus would say, "Give them hotels." Okay, let's let's address that point because I don't think that's what the Lord Jesus would say. Not in this way. Oh, 
Oh, man. Speaking of uh, Seattle, May 20th, I'm going to be over at uh, Bothell. That's coming up. It's now, what is it, 18 days away? Um, I'm going to be in Bothell, Washington, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Cedar Park Church. And I'm going to give a speech entitled, Will God Rescue America? And I've begun to outline it now. I, I don't write speeches. There's no teleprompters, God forbid, but I outline things. And this is really exciting to me. I was sitting outside the parking lot of my church this morning. I like to go shopping early in the mornings and the weekends when there's no one around. So I go buy my fish and all this. And I was sitting and I was reflecting on what I'm to say. And I was in prayer. And here's what's exciting to me. What's written in my notes is not what I thought would be written in my notes for this event. Tickets are 20 bucks. You go to the toddhermanshow.com and you go, it's probably the toddhermanshow.com slash events. Tickets are 20 bucks and they're now officially in short supply. Why I like this as I'm looking at my notes and my outline is I feel like God is intervening in my stupidity. And that I hope very much God will take over this speech. Now, yes, it's going to be part personal note. It always is. That's how I work. I'm a storyteller. That's how I work. Julie, my friend, Julie Barrett, you've heard in the program, she's going to speak first. We have two actual men of God who are also state legislators. I'm going to ask them to speak about where we're at biblically in the separate country of Washington state. That's what I'm going to ask them to address. And I'm not going to, I'm going to ask them not to do long speeches with all due respect to my friends. I want to get to Julie. And then I want to speak with you for a long time. Tickets are 20 bucks. You go to the toddhermanshow.com slash events. It's two hours of presentation. Zach Abraham's going to speak as well. And then from 8.30 to 9, I come off the stage and we all visit together. Shake hands, get to know each other, put a name to a face. I cannot wait to meet you guys. I'm actually excited to get back to Babylon. And when I say the tickets are in short supply, last weekend we sold 100 on the weekend. So they are officially in short supply. toddhermanshow.com slash events. I get this so often, particularly uh, on Twitter. Oh, so you say you're a Christian, but you don't, you know, you don't think um, people should should uh, live in um, in these hotels. Oh, okay, hypocrite. Do you remember when Jesus went to someone and said, "Keep drinking alcohol and 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 puke yourself silly and drink yourself into coma"? No. How we treat the least of these. Yes, yes, people need a place to sleep. They also don't need to commit slow suicide on the streets. And that's what's being done. These people are absolute pawns. The point of having them visible to others is to say, won't you give us money to help them? That's the point. And my Seattle radio show, Seattle radio show, I used to use the phrase restore people versus store them. These people are being stored and their very presence is being used to pimp for more money, not for them, but for the organizations. The Lord Jesus would say, yes, render unto Caesars what is Caesars. Okay, well, so we pay our taxes that are legally prescribed, actual legal taxes, we pay those. But to the least of these, would you walk up to someone who is addicted to heroin and say, hey, can I get you a fix? No. Would you tell someone, you don't need to quit drinking? No. 
If you had a friend that was a puking, falling down, forgetting himself alcoholic, you would say, brother, you have got to stop drinking, even if it's painful. The Apostle Paul spoke often about not giving into the fleshly desires of, of drink and carousing and, and sex outside of marriage. But Seattle is its own God. And these people are simply, well, useful to the man gods. So no, the Lord Jesus would not, in fact, sponsor storing people in these facilities. They're installing communism and they're doing it in a very, very clever way. No votes, just eroding. And it is driving people to the point where it's just inevitable. And why, why fight it? Because that's how China works. China's gotten people to the why fight it place. It can't be fought. Our kids, it's happening there too. We're all well familiar at this time of the libs of, you know, libs of TikTok phenomena of finding math teachers or so-called teachers like this. This guy's from Michigan. But a conservative news source that wrote an article about me that seemed really focused on the flags I have in my classroom. Um, there's a couple of things you missed actually in here. The first thing you missed is all 13 principles of the Black Lives Matter movement hung up um, at the top of my wall here. Now, I can't tell if he has all the principles hung up because one of the principles of the Black Lives Matter movement was to destroy the nuclear family. Which is why this young man who is a victim, he is a brain victim. He is as brainwashed as any human being has ever been. That's how he can have in his, in his, not his, but the classroom he's paid to, in, in which he's paid to work. He can have a Black Lives Matter incorporated sign and a group that says destroy the nuclear family. And he can say he cares for kids in the same breath. He can be a teacher, an elementary school teacher, and have a pride flag presented to kids who are far too young to have any idea what their sexuality is, any idea of the implications of early on declaring a sexuality that you're going to be trapped in or a gender that you're going to be surgically trapped in and pretend to care for kids. But here's what's happening globally. They're installing the tools of communism in the minds of the kids. Every time there's been a totalitarian takeover, there is a way that you ultimately crumble and destroy the young people because it's on the backs of the young people that the society will eventually stand. And it's being done here. And it's the same game as transit. It's the same game as homelessness. The transit stuff, it's an eminent domain name. It's for the party. They get mobbed up buildings or the mobbed up developers get buildings on the cheap. Homelessness, same thing. The people whose cars, you know, whose cars are taxed. By the way, in Seattle, there's people who spend 60,000 bucks a year on a train they'll never ride. You have a family with four cars. You got two grown kids who live in your house. You can pay up to 60 grand a year in car tab fees to drive the car you supposedly own. And it goes back to this ridiculous, insane, eminent domain machine in homelessness, same swindle. And they're just using the bodies of the homeless people with our kids. They're using the bodies of our kids. Same technique. You have the byproduct of destroying society like they're doing to the cities and you have people making money in the case of sexualizing children, as we're going to expose here. 
You have pharma lurking in the background to make money. You have the party lurking in the background to have power. And you have companies like Disney. And it's old news with Disney, right? I mean, it's old news that Disney is all about sexualizing children. This is back in the day. They had this little boy who was a who liked to wear dresses. And so uh, Oprah and other people pretended he was very, very brave. This is a little boy doing a sex dance for adults, ultimately including dropping on the floor like a um, a prostitute about to be mounted by a man. Boys on his back like a prostitute about to be mounted. How are you? How you doing? Thanks for being here. <laughs> I love that you love root beer, caffeine free. But that's old news. It's just Disney. Except it's not. This is Discovery Channel. Encouraging kids to have a terrible, painful condition called gender dysphoria. In this case, it's gender rebellion, gender confusion. It's a massive media company pretending kids are born in the wrong body. There's a heartbreaking scene in this. If you know a family who has struggled with a kid who has been caused to believe they were born in the wrong body, they've been through this. This is where the kid comes and says, I want you to destroy every family picture. I want to say that again and slower. You're at your house at a meal. Your kid turns around and sees a family picture you particularly adore and says, I want that gone. It sickens me. Or maybe you come home to find out that your kid has destroyed every family photo prior to the date of pretending to be the opposite sex. This has happened. Discovery Channel is encouraging it to happen. Welcome to the pink palace, my lovely friends. It's like an 11 year old boy pretending to be a girl. I first discovered drag at 13. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted it. Put on the wig and the makeup and I'm someone completely different. I'm so pretty. My drag name is Vanessa Shimmer and she is just a force you cannot reckon with. How do I parent a child that wants to do drag? I never expected drag to be a part of our lives. Oh my God, these are so cute. These are problems I never thought I had to prepare for. What I love about drag is the glitz and the glam. My name is Noah and I'm transgender. Have you talked to mom and dad about your pictures? What do you think of taking those photos down? It's a constant reminder that we had to pretend I was a boy. Do you think Amma would ever want to watch me do drag? How do I explain this to my child that she doesn't fully accept novella? Making friends has been a hard thing for me to do. When I'm becoming Nemo, Whoa. become more confident. Let me make sure you are appropriately fluffed. <laughs> this transition has been difficult for them, but... They try, and that's all you can ask for. It's important for kids to understand that they're not alone. So my mom started Dragiton. Kids and their families are coming from all over the country where we get to be our true self. Oh, God. This is happening. It's Vanessa Shimmer! This is a place of love and support because we need that in this world. 
This is me, and you better like it. Bye. But there's no agenda. There's no agenda. It will crumble a generation of children. It will separate families. And if you doubt the brutality of this, I'll tell you a true story. There's a woman we know whose son became convinced at the age of 11 that he was a girl. And he went to his parents and said, I'm a girl. His parents are about the most loving people you could ever find. He's their fourth child. And so they told him this thing that you're supposed to say, which is, tell us about that. And he did. And so they explored with him what these feelings meant. And what does it mean to feel like a girl? His mother was particularly good at this. I'm a woman. What does it mean to feel like a girl? And the boy was predictably inarticulate. Well, I don't know. I just, I, I, you know, I've just never felt like I'm a boy. And his dad would say, tell me about that. What does it feel like to be a boy? Well, I guess like you like all these things I don't like. Like you like tools and math and I don't like any of that. I like arts and uh, I like to be alone. And his mom says, well, that's interesting. Your dad does like tools. You're right. He likes those things and he does like math. And I don't like being alone and I'm a woman. And I'd rather spend my time, in fact, cooking than looking at art. And I'm a woman. And this went on for a process of weeks. And it was very curative. And then he went to school. And he shared that conversation with the teacher who availed him of a counselor who took him behind closed doors and presented him garbage, junk, science. It was a 25-question test that came from Teen Vogue. Some of the questions in that test were, have you become uncomfortable with your body during puberty? Do you notice differences with other people assigned male? Questions like that. Lo and behold, it was proven that he was transgender, a girl. Now, the counselor was very careful. And she told the boy, your parents are too religious to get this. They don't think God makes any mistakes. But we think you need to be able to be your natural self. And so she availed him of some men who had so-called transitioned and gave him time in her office to visit with these kind men who told him about some places in Seattle you can go. You know, because your parents don't get it. 
places that had dances and get-togethers and lawyers. Lots and lots of lawyers. When that boy turned 13, he knew exactly what he could do. And he told them what he would do as he sat in their front room on FaceTime with a lawyer and a man dressed as a woman. And he gave them their decision. I will take my estrogen here. I will have my surgery under your roof. Or I will be an emancipated minor. Decide. The decision was this. The parents lied. We see that you've got this all figured out. And at two o'clock in the morning, his dad and his uncle went into his room and they took him out of the home and they removed him from that city. And they have been deprogramming him. One of the things he'd asked for at that time was that every picture with him as a boy be removed. The update I have from the family is this. The boy is now looking at the pictures of him. He'd put on his phone dressed as a girl. Shaking his head. What was I thinking? Oh, it only took three years to deprogram him. I hope the boy's not lying. They think he's not. Had they not gotten him out of that state, he would have done exactly what he said he was going to do at the age of 13 because a evil person lied to him. They're installing communism. It's a political system. And it's evil. Our response? Well, there is the political. Vote anyone out who says anything. Anything or indicates or even moves their head in this direction. And from the day they're born, show our kids what it is to actually care for the least of these. Explain to our kids the human desire to steal Show them how the machine works. Tell them about the details of how they do it. The trains, the homelessness, the taking advantage of people. And remind them from the very day they're born. They are their body. Their body is their brain. Their soul lives in their body for now. In other words, the truth of God. Because that is the thing that communists can never handle, which is a true committed base of Christians. I remind you, the Christian church 
somehow thrives in China, somehow thriving in the Middle East. Funny thing about God's people, the harder the world tries to shove them down, the faster they grow. This is the Todd Herman Show. Can't wait to see you May 20th. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and as always, let's be right with God.